Good evening. The message tonight promises to be uplifting. Did that go over your head? May I suggest, Louise, I'll fly away as a right conclusion song. I would like to remind you that we commenced the little public venue over here at the public library on Tuesdays from 5 to 6.45. We're teaching chess, Dwayne Merle and I, and on the first night we had three. On the second occasion we had five, and although I couldn't be there because of sickness this week, this past Tuesday we had seven. So we're continuing, but if you play chess and would like to be involved in that, uh, yes, it is another venue in which we can do outreach in Andrews. Um, there are other venues. Charlie's in the, on the golf course, and uh, he'll take you out there. Um, tonight, about personal awareness. I'll be in the book of Revelation, working out of Revelation 19. We'll get there in just a little bit here. But be, because it always goes down to awareness. And tonight, um, a very divergent crowd here, everybody from Luis on this side, Debbie on this side, Uh, everybody's come from a different place, but in the Christian worldview, we have an approach to living, and although we're temperamentally different, we all have our own idiosyncratic uh, ways of doing life, Uh, you, you yours, me, mine. Yet we come together in the assembly tonight, and tonight I want to talk about Christ, and because there are activities, I I should get along in my message here. Um, I would like to introduce the lesson further by what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 13. He said, said, I came into the regions of Caesarea Philippi and said, who do men say that I am? Once again, who do men say that I am? Now, that is a question of identity. Very, very important. See, the Christ of the Bible is the Christ that you want to believe in and the Christ that is not of the Bible. And there are many false uh, senses of messianic uh, personages throughout history and even in our time, people who are going to deliver you politically and deliver you and give you some kind of a platform and a uh, something uh, health-related uh, or psychological, pop psychology or something like that. Uh, years ago, a little pop psychology book, Eric Byrne, it's not a bad book, but uh, we're playing games tonight, games people play. The man in the photo is doing something. What is the man in the photo doing here, by the way? Just call it out of, what do you think he's doing? Thinking. So you have to at least have some input in order to glean what we're dealing with here tonight. And science tells us, I've never seen it personally, but science says that we have something in the cranial structure called the brain. Are you with me? And the brain is situated on the anterior part of the central nervous system. And it's that brain we want to kick in here tonight. Very, very important. Uh, What to expect tonight Uh, That would depend on whether or not you get it. Now, it's easy to get it, of course, but not all get it. And that's why I often say the gospel is not for everyone, but it is for anyone. It's not that uh, everyone can't get it, but they elect not to get it. They choose to make a decision not to. 
But here's a young girl. Maybe she's a CEO or a student. I don't. I really don't know. But she represents you and me. She represents tonight um, the thinking person at university or or uh, somewhere along the line. You have to get it. If you don't get it, you'll pay the price somehow, naturalistically or otherwise. But <laughs> you cannot get it if you're not hungry. You cannot get it if you're not curious. I'm still wondering what the, uh, I had a root canal done about three weeks ago, and as I was leaving the, the um, orthodontic uh, assistant, she said, Mr. Housby, you have a very curious tongue. So tonight you get the fruit of all that labor. But you have to be hungry, you have to be curious, and uh, you have to be open. And I ask you tonight, how open are you along these lines? I would like to begin uh, furthermore and pause it here by uh, Elizabeth Schusler Fiorenza. And she said, John's concern is with the issue of power. Well, I believe that, Kevin. We were discussing Revelation. I believe the book of Revelation is about power. And you've heard that before, but I'm going to say something about power that may help put it together better. Who really has control over history's destiny? See, uh, I may fly away tonight. You may fly away tonight. May God bless Pat in the hospital. He may fly away tonight. Who knows? I, I'm, I don't have the key to history. But the word power is used eight times in the book of Revelation. Power, dunamis. And that's the capacity for power. <clears throat> and then the other word used 18 times is exousia. Now, they're both, both translated power, capacity for power, royal power. Dunamis and exousia. And both are relevant tonight because who has the ability to open the seals? That's a matter. If you study the book of Revelation, you'll understand why that is a, a question of importance. But let us go to Revelation 111, uh, and uh, that'll set it up further. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 11. Revelation's an easy book in the Bible to find because it's the last one. Are you with me? Chapter 1 and verse 11. It's the vision of the risen Christ here. And in verse 11, saying, you heard a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, verse 11, I am the... Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and what you see right in a book and send it to the seven churches. Jesus here claims to be uh, the unparalleled, un unrivaled revelator. And then look in 22.13, go from the first chapter to the last chapter, 22.13. <clears throat> Blessed are those who do his commandments that they have, may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Um, that's 14. He repeats it in verse 13, 22, 13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. <coughs> what are you saying, Jesus? He is the source. He's the Alpha. That's where it all begins. And he is the goal of history, the Omega. He is the source. You're only here because of he, because he is. Yahweh is, according to Robert Young, he who is. See? 
We want to start defining terms and talking about this and about that. Well, let's define God. Let's make sure he who is Yahweh, he who is. Okay. In the Lord's Prayer, there is the additional reference which which poises Christ as for thine is the power, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. So where are we going tonight? Uh, If you don't care, then it wouldn't matter where you end up. But where we're going tonight is to get an understanding about Christ, perceptions of Christ. Let's begin with some false perceptions of Christ. Number one, the bumper sticker Christ. Honk if you love Jesus. Yeah, I've seen that one. That's the faith that is very surface. It's so surface you can glue it on your car. That's, that's the extent of the faith. Honk if you love Jesus. Number two, the Byzantine super emperor. If you look in historical uh, Byzantine art or history, you will find mosaics done to represent the emperor, and the emperor and Christ are virtually one and the same. And they endowed the political emperor with the Christ-like attributes of royal power. And that is another view of Christ, that Christ is to be identified with the leader of a country. Uh, I think of in England... um, head of the church and all that business, Henry VIII and the Stuart line, the right of kings, the divine right of kings to rule, the Stuart line. If you want to really get into a good study, study the Stuarts. And uh, so the, the sense of the political endowed leader of a country. Number three, the medieval drooping Christ. Oftentimes in Catholicism, uh, you'll see up on the placard or at the front of the altar Alters another interesting study, but in the church building or basilica, you'll see the uh, the drooping Christ on the cross, the languid-looking face of Jesus. He's the drooping, uh, depressed uh, Christ. That is a perception. Now, that there may be veracity in that by reading the Gospels. There is a point in the Passion where he is the humiliated and the victimized Jesus. That's true, but he is basically the victim. You say, oh, you know. I had someone in a Bible study once say, why would you want to serve a man on a cross? They were Islamic, and and they said, power is where it is, power. But uh, do not understand. Number four, the suit and tie Christ. He is the Christ of the 20th century and now the 21st century. Uh, he is the Christ where you are defined by beauty, brains, boxer, brawn. Beauty, you must be successful. Brains, and you go to church and you have a nice family. Beauty, brains, by you have money. And uh, you're athletic like Henry and I. And you're just the epitome of masculinity. And so we say, Christ, that person must be a follower of Christ because look how successful they are. The, uh, I, I see here the suit and tie Christ. And fifth, the political liberator. I don't have time to go into uh, South American liberation theology or all of the varying uh, modifications of liberation theology, neo-Marxist, but that's all 
uh, Messiah in, he's going to deliver you and, and put bread on the table and, and, you know, you can look at that. And then finally, number six, the infant in Mexican peasant view, you have the infant Christ uh, exalted, you know, praise the incarnation. And we need to be grateful and glory in God becoming flesh, but God grew up. I think it's Luke 2, 57, maybe, or somewhere in thereabouts. He grew in stature with, with uh, God, and he grew socially, and he grew psychologically. So that's... But deceptions are possible. So it's possible to hold a view of Christ that is a misconception. And see, that's what we're hammering against here tonight. Well, what, what is the actual truth of the matter The visionary world of John opens it all up for us. And uh, Donald Guthrie said there is a manifest tendency towards spiritual deterioration. That's why I'm talking about the book of Revelation. (coughs) Tonight, you have to get the message. And the last book in the Bible is just a wonderful way to absorb why we may have confidence. I appreciate the preacher this morning mentioned the word confidence, I believe, toward the end there, Lessa. And uh, see, faith is the basis. Uh, it's, uh, but confidence, the Italians would say, confidenza, con, with, fiducia, with faith. Confidence is with faith. It's all based upon the foundation of faith. We just had a, a series on faith, didn't we? And it is, confidence ex- uh, comes from your faith in your relationship, in the trusting relationship that you have. So in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, we see after the vision of the risen Christ, chapter 1, we see in chapter 4 and verse 1, after these things, and that's a a key throughout the book of Revelation. Uh, The Greek is a a continuous uh, formula. It's translated after these things, after these things, after these things. That's a visionary expression to say, okay, now this happened, not sequentially, But theologically, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. Where in heaven? See the open door. And it's the door that only God can open and no man can close. And it is here that we learn the multi-tiered situation. (coughs) I apologize. Still with me? It's good stuff. But I can't deliver it to you tonight. I'm going to close tonight. With visuals. in Christ and the churches. There's the cosmic struggle going on. Chapter 4 through 16. And you're a participant 
The third major vision in the book is the Hallelujah Declaration. The fourth major vision in the book is the description of newness. That's the resolution. We come to chapter 19. Christ is the rider. I don't think it's the same white horse as in chapter 6. I know it's not in my thinking. It, it doesn't work. Nevertheless, he's on a white horse here. He's the rider of reality. The illusion is Rome is in charge. The reality is the Lord is in charge. He's the rider of divinity, 1911. Now I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. He's not this passive, drooping Christ. He's on the horse. He's in gallop. He may be yours tonight. He's the rider of reality, not the illusion. He's the rider of divinity, 1913. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. He's the rider of victory. Look with me in 11 and 14, 1914. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. He's not the only white horse out there. There are other galloping white horses. And he is the rider of reality, the rider of divinity. He is the rider of victory. And he is, in verse 14, the rider through history. I live in history. And you live in history. And tonight, history goes on for as long as the Lord God shall allow it until I'm taken away. A final observation tonight. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. I used to think that the book of Revelation was all taken care of in the first century. Until I looked at the grammar of several verses, 3, 4... Just just indulge me for a moment, chapter 3 and verse 4. Yes, I think it is contextually historical to the backdrop of, of Rome. No doubt about it. But I want you to realize there's several future tenses involved. Three, four, you have a few names. Even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white. They shall, that's future tense, future indicative. Future active indicative. Look in 2.7. <clears throat> he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Salvation is now and it is yet to be. It's not one or the other. It's one and the other. And it, it's, it's a reality that we have present salvation. We have future salvation. It's not over till it's over. 
Perhaps you should know what you believe. And tonight, we believe... The book of Revelation, it only took me about 40 years to write this. The book of Revelation is meant to develop our faith in the faithfulness of God and to especially acknowledge the lordship of Jesus over all categories of reality as the Lord of history. Confidenza, confidence comes from your faith. So the technical word of what we've done tonight, we said, now these are mis- misrepresentations of who Christ is, and this is the true, the veritable, actual. He's a rider through history, and he rides for you, and he rides for me. Do you ride with the Christ tonight? He's greater than angels, greater than Moses, greater than Aaron, greater than Melchizedek. So we began by saying, Jesus came and said, who do men say that I am? And then he'll switch pronouns in Matthew 16 and go to verse 15 and says, and then he'll say, who do you say that I am tonight and tomorrow? Tell the world who he is. If you're here tonight and are subject to the gospel call, it's all in Christ. You have to be in relationship to God through Christ. Your perception matters because it's all about faith and his identity. Who do you say that he is? We're going to have an invitational song. If you're subject tonight to the gospel invitation, won't you come as we stand and sing?